Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you? It's it, I, I I hesitate to even say it, but it's the seventh of September, 2023. I cannot believe it. Uh, I do not approve. I have uh, I, I'm on record. I've I think I've said that. Things should not be moving this quickly. I was in Helsinki uh, in a Patagonia and uh, shorts in January, which is Finland, you know, snow-covered northern Europe uh, in January, just a minute ago. And uh, yeah, here we are. Now I'm in September and it's just been, this, this year has just gone by entirely too quick. I don't know how to account for that, uh, but it has. And I find myself... Uh, you know, for for a year that feels more or less like normal, it's certainly not normal, right? I mean, uh, my travel relative to 2019 is very, very uh, uh, um, uh, sort of, it has very, very much dwindled uh, since uh, pre-pandemic levels. Uh, that's for the better, obviously. It's it's good for me to be with my family and all that. But um, uh, so, but 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 what that means is. There are still places that I used to go all the time, uh, you know, before the virus, that I have not yet since seen, uh, you know, for whatever reason. Uh, and uh, I'm, I delight in, in revisiting these places that I thought at one point during the darkest, bleakest moments of the pandemic would forever remain out of reach. Uh, and one of those places that I've so longed to return to is beautiful Oslo, Norway, where I am right now for uh, the Java Zone uh, show. Just an amazing show. I love this show. I've been coming here, um, you know, most years, if not every year, since 2010. And uh, I just I just love it. I'm just a huge fan of the show. It's a, it's run by the local Java user group here. Um, Norway, if you don't know, <laughs> there's not, it's, it's, there's very few places like this. It's a, it sort of reminds me of, of Singapore, you know, um, it is one of the safest, cleanest, richest uh, sort of places on the planet. It is uh, just, you know, gobsmackingly uh, clean uh, and and just nice and just it's pristine. And that's and I'm talking about the city, but if you should venture beyond Oslo um, and just look at the rest of the country, it is. You know, they have the fjords, the, the famous Norwegian fjords, which are, you know, they're postcards. They're, every every photo is something you would put on your wall and go, wow, that's gorgeous. You know, it's beautiful. It just makes you feel um, human and clean. And um, just for a moment, the serenity, the pristine, pure uh, serenity is just, it's worth it. Um, so I, I love this place. I love it. I've, I've, I've uh, come here many times, got some great memories. Uh, um and it's just really good to be back here. My first time since at least 2019. Uh, I'm just so happy. I did a talk yesterday. My my uh, my normal spring beautiful spring boot uh, talk, but this time I you know um, I ran uh, with Spring Boot 3.2, right? Uh, we ran with uh, Java 21. So I'm, I'm using the early access builds. Java 21 is due to release uh, on the 19th of September. That's this month, my friends, in just less than two weeks. Two weeks, not even two weeks, less than that, right? Uh, it's the seventh right now, so um, wow, you know, I mean, we're really—that's really close, right? That's just down the down the 
down around the corner. Uh, and uh, and so I ran with that. Uh, we did Project Loom, obviously. I showed the new Project Loom support. Um, and I showed um, Spring AI and, uh, you know, all this other stuff. Actually, yesterday was kind of great. Unbeknownst to the audience, my ability to do that talk in the way I wanted to do it didn't exist until not 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 even hours before I was to take the stage to give that talk. Uh, and uh, it's a sort of long, sort of roundabout thing, but basically my dream, and I've talked about this so often on this uh, this very podcast, uh, is I want to be able to write, like, I, I don't want to actually do it, but conceptually, could I build Kubernetes in Java? And uh, my theory, my, uh, my premise is that uh, if I had had GraalVM, native images, native, you know, fast, small, small, efficient binaries. If I'd had GoRoutines, which is more or less Project Loom, uh, and if I'd had, um, um, you know, uh, Project Panama to make it easy to inter integrate and interop with native code, then I wouldn't need uh, Go. Nobody would need Go to build a Kubernetes. And, you know, here we are, 10 plus odd years, too late, of course, but but here we are at a point where now Java can do all these things. And Java, I think, is better for it as a language. Truly, just a, just an incredible time uh, for the Java community. Um, and so my, you know, the first two are the things that are most imminent. By by the time Java 21 rolls out uh, and then GraalVM behind it, right, right behind it, hopefully not too far behind it. I don't actually have a date as to when the GraalVM... Um, distribution of Java 21 supporting native images will be released. But I can tell you there are already developer builds that you can try. And I do. I do try. And I actually I ran into a bug uh, in the compiler itself uh, in GraalVM. Again, early access, not yet GA. So nothing surprising here. Okay, friends. Uh, but um, I ran into a bug. And um, it meant that I couldn't compile my Spring Boot app with GraalVM and native images. Uh, and use Project Loom at the same time. And that's what I've been waiting for, is that m wonderful moment when these two worlds converge. So I filed the bug, and uh, and of course our friends on the GraalVM team are just, um, you know, receptive and responsive, as always. Uh, and so, yeah, like it was fixed. I, I filed it a couple weeks ago. I, I, I sent the code over with a reproducer a couple weeks ago. It's already fixed. There's already a build out yesterday morning um, that I could use. <laughs> and I tried it, and yes, it worked, it worked, it worked. So I was able to... Take this. Uh, uh, I was able to take this new dev build, um, which again I think if you look at the dev build, anything from the the fifth of September or maybe it's the sixth, um, that's the most you know anything after that will have the fix. So you can try it. Download that. Install it. I have a blog uh, on joshlong.com talking about how to install uh, Java twenty one using SDK man um, as a you know you know downloading the build directly and then installing that. Um, and uh, and then I've got the settings you need to put to plug into your Gradle, your build.gradle, uh, to make it work with Java 21 as a tool chain and language. Uh, and it kind of works. There's some weirdness if you try and run uh, an application inside of IntelliJ that isn't using the boot functionality. That is to say, if you're running it as just a main class, as opposed to the, you know, badged uh, special kind of artifact that, that IntelliJ um, infers when it's working with a Spring Boot app. Um, if you're if you're doing it as a regular main app, it doesn't work for some reason. I don't know. 
these are these are the kinds of things where by the end of the year it'll all just be uh, a distant memory, right? All these little oddities and quirks and manual overrides and stuff will just be a distant memory. By by the end of the year, you'll be able to download through SDK Man the GA versions of all the stuff. You don't have to do man manual installations. And of course, when you go to start.spring.io, you'll be able to configure uh, a new project with 20, Java 21. Gradle will be supported. Maven will be supported, etc. It all kind of works now, but my point is, there's a few steps. It's not too bad. I was able to do it live on stage, for example, um, and with confidence, no less. Uh, so it's doable. I'm just saying, it's worth doing it now just so you can kind of see it in action. It is something to behold. It is my dream. It was like, I, I've been waiting for this for so long. Yesterday, I built a Gravium native image that used Project Loom. So small, singly focused, entirely uh, super efficient binaries that in turn just make short work of network IO um, and allow us to have a good deal more scalability than anything we could have without, right? Without Project Loom. So, uh, and while not changing our code, save one little property in Spring Boot, right? You, you specify the virtual thread support. It's one little property in your application that properties are YAML and voila, you have a Project Loom support. So I was able to do that on stage. So if you get a chance, when, the, when JavaZone uploads that talk, um, Please watch it. It was oh, I'm, I was uh, over the moon uh, at the chance to to get that um, out the door. So please, uh, I hope you'll enjoy it. And uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, I've got something actually uh, in many, many, many ways much better. Uh, that is to say, this week, my friends, uh, we are joined by the rarest of Pokemon, the the rarest uh, of Pokemon on the show. Uh, it's my friend, the amazing. The inimitable, the entirely too secretive, Rob Winch. Rob Winch is the lead of Spring Security. He uh, is, uh, you know, defensive uh, by default. He's a security uh, guru, so you can you can uh, uh, sympathize, right? Um, and I've, uh, I, you know, he we're actually friends. Like uh, he's a really really nice person, uh, and uh, I, I just, you know, I, one of the. One of the um, first people I, I, I send Merry Christmas to on uh, <laughs> on the holiday, for example, you know, he's just a really good good uh, egg and a really really good friend. And um, uh, but for you know, he's also sort of I, I think he's shy. I don't know. He's the, one of the smartest people I know, but he's also very busy. There's that too. I don't know. Whatever it is, whatever it is, I haven't been able to get him on the podcast. Uh, but we just had spring one, and if you missed it, you know, that's a bummer. I really wish he had been there. But um, we had him on the podcast and. He volunteered. I didn't even have to ask. He was just like, let's do an episode. I was like, ah! <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm so excited. Um, yeah. So anyway, here he is. I, 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 you're going to love this. You're going to love it. I love it. This is probably uh, one of the hardest one interviews I've ever done. I mean, you know, I've got like so many amazing people on this show uh, and some are just a lot more um, uh, voluntary. You know, some I have to like. Uh, uh, encourage or egg on to uh, participate in the episode. Uh, and uh, some just are like, oh, okay, you know, let's do it now. I'm like, oh, sure. So anyway, uh, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to learn something. I promise. Uh, this is, this is a, uh, one of those episodes where it's just, I wish I could have done it for, I wish we could have kept the conversation rolling for another six hours or 10, you know, um, it is a, a rare, rare, rare honor to get somebody uh, who's done so much uh, on the show. Uh, he, I'm, you know, these days I've, I've, I've been actively working on the, uh, not 
the project proper, but on using and on implementing, on leveraging the Spring Authorization Server. I think I've talked about that uh, at some length in other shows. I really love that Authorization Server. It is, it is, uh, <laughs> you know, it's empowering to know that I can secure everything. If I've got a back office headless workload, great use the Spring Authorization Server. Got an API? Great, use the Spring Authorization Server. Got a, a front end that I want to incept tokens with? Use the Authorization Server. I mean, it just plugs right in, it's super easy. And now I've got a solution for securing all the things in my system and I've got one centralized location for my identity, right? And um, I just love it. I've just been, I, I, you know, I might even write a book, you know, you know, I don't know. I just love this stuff. It's really, it's really, really uh, amazing. So um, yeah, as you can imagine, um, Poor Rob Winch has been top of mind for me a, a lot lately because I've just been using him, uh, no, using his uh, work and his team's work, um, you know, at great length uh, of late. Uh, just uh, really diving into that authorization server, and uh, it's just been great. And then you, and that's co sort of coincident with all these wonderful things that uh, the Spring Security team have been doing over the last several years to sort of commoditize. Uh, security. So when Rob took over, I think you'll notice um, that even before Spring Boot, he had started pushing Spring Security um, to sort of be more, to do more by default, right? So that just having it on the class path uh, did something interesting. And uh, just, you know, a, a flick of a switch turned on a whole host of protections by default. And that was even before Spring Boot, right? Before the Spring Boot auto configuration mechanism was in place, right? Um, and so that has caused, I think, a little bit of churn. I think if you look at the APIs, um, uh, some of that was built before Spring Boot, but it was sort of in the same spirit. So it kind of fit, but, but of late, it's become more and more sort of it, it falls more and more in line with this sort of uh, uh, knobs and levers that people expect when working with something that's been auto-configured in a Spring Boot application, and which means that it's it's more uh, approachable for for people, right? I, I, I actually quite like it now. I, I've loved Spring Security for what it's done. I just didn't particularly enjoy the dissonance uh, that sort of using the older APIs sort of uh, inspired, right? Um, uh, because I, I was trying to unwind things or to manipulate things in the way that I would when I approached any other auto configuration and just didn't, it just sometimes didn't work. So a lot of that has just gone away. A lot of the um, sort of weird, sort of discongruous um, APIs are, are now replaced with just, hey, register a bean and it'll, we'll find it and use it if it's there and otherwise we'll give you a default. Very much, you know, um, uh, geared for uh, Spring Boot applications and workloads. So I, I'm just a huge, huge fan. All of the things that uh, Rob has been doing are phenomenal. And, when, you know, in my estimation, um, the single most important lead of the Spring Security Project. And also, I think at this point, uh, it's probably not controversial. The longest serving as well. I think it's been at least 10 years. So, um, yeah, just uh, just amazing. I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, enjoy the episode, truly. Like, I'm... One of my all-time, you know, top five favorite episodes, probably top three. I mean, I can't even, I can't even think of who else I had to, you know, I was thinking about that. It's 2023, September. When was the first episode of this podcast? I think it must have been either 2018 January or 2019. Um, but certainly I was, re I was interviewing people in 2018. I, I forget, I forget exactly. And I'm not going to look it up right now, but I know I I was a little bit worried when I launched the show, so I, I banked a bunch of episodes. I recorded a bunch 
uh, in the months leading up to the first episode's uh, airing, right? So I forget when that was. Was that 2017 and then they, they started airing in 2018 or was it in 2018 and they started airing in 2019? Honestly, I don't remember. Either way, we're either at or fast approaching five years, which is a another thing to behold. And so in that whole time, I'm thinking I'm just going to get my friend Rob Winch is, you know, uh, a legend uh, to be on the show. <laughs> it's like, it's been the most, uh, you know, elusive interview. So yeah, again, enjoy. Have a great time. Um, and, uh, you know, see you next week, my friends. There he is. Hi. Okay, people, we did it. We got we got him. I this is the rarest of all the Pokemon. I've tried to get him on the show forever. Forever. So hi. Welcome to uh an episode, another riveting episode. Um I I hope more people join us. This is actually like uh, this is a, a missed opportunity for people who have never gotten a chance to talk to Rob Winch, lead of Spring Security. Lead. That, like he and you're unusually um elusive. Why are you so elusive? Well, it's the security aspect. Yeah, you gotta you gotta remain uh, off the grid, right? I, I guess so. sometimes I wear a tinfoil hat, you know. I don't, but you don't actually. You're really sensible. I just don't understand why you won't get on uh, YouTube. I mean, okay, but now, so you know, now that you're on the YouTube's, uh, Mid Journey can use your face, basically, right? Well, I guess so. Yeah, you know, Mid Journey is right. The AI. Yeah. They can create anything. Yeah, it could be bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. <laughs> Okay, so we're recording. Oh, you know what I forgot to do? I forgot to specify that we're live from Spring One, uh, 2023, at the first in-person show since um, 2019. 2019. It's yeah. kind of crazy to think about that it's been that long. <sighs> Does that mean this has been four years? Actually, that's not true. Well, I mean, well, so weirdly, we didn't have Spring One last year, but we did have an, a virtual one. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Uh, which <laughs> means that we've actually had two Spring Ones this year. That's kind of that's weird. unique in itself. Yeah. Very yeah. unique. And one of them was in person, which is great. Yeah. It's, it's doing great. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, impressed with uh, the turnout so far. I mean, the, the rooms are overflowing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like attendance is, you know, everyone's eager for more spring. Ah, me too. I feel it. I feel it. I, uh, people have just been so nice. So um, your session today was like standing room only. And then people were in the overflow room. Yeah. Like, 30 or 40 people just hanging out in the other room watching your talk, uh, which is why I think people should really just, if you get a chance, you get, you get Rob Winch. Actually, I wonder if I can uh, exit or, yeah, what is that? what's the verb for that? Tweet it? Uh, <laughs> exit. Yeah, like. <laughs> that, that doesn't. Uh, it's not what I think it, it means. It kind of lost, it kind of lost its uh, meaning there, doesn't it? I can excrete it. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, we like <laughs> it's disgusting. disgusting. Do they have new verbs for that now? Yeah, they really I mean, need. Is it what is the new verb for? I don't know. Nobody's there's no uh, memo. Nobody's told me. <laughs> you didn't get the memo. Yeah, it really is kind of. A this is surprising to me because you're like master of Twitter or X or whatever Nothing. it is. I'm just uh, I'm just on the Twitters. It it it's a ride <laughs> that I take. Okay, future share. Okay, so, um. There you go. Evening. There we go. See, there's folks. Uh, I think, uh, well, like I said. You might need to send out a Marco as well. Usually that get responds with Polo, right? What? 
I don't know. You, you, Marco Polo. Okay. Yeah. 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 Well, that's if only security worked like that. Yeah. Actually, if yeah. <laughs> imagine you identify via Marco Polo. Okay, you're good. Come in. Um, yeah. So, wow. You're uh, so anyway. We're at Spring One. Big show. I don't know the numbers, but it seems like it's it's uh, okay. It's there are enough people that I'm kind of worried about catching COVID. That's uh, that's how you know it's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely plenty of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's in Vegas, so I mean, yeah. There's plenty of people around, around in addition to the people around. <laughs> so what, what blows me away is the air conditioning systems here because they can, they allow people to smoke indoors. Yeah. Which you don't see in most of the country anymore. You know, it, it is very surprising to me, you know, walking through the casino and then you smell, see someone smoking or smell someone smoking. You're like, right. what is going Why? on? Like, yeah. did, I, did I walk in a time machine? <laughs> like, so weird. Like, um, and I, I don't know, I, I'm going to smell like cigarettes and I'm going to go home and my partner, she's going to be very confused. I'm like, oh, <laughs> Vegas. Okay. And she's like, oh, okay. She'll know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it just happens. But, um, but the air conditioning systems are amazing. You really don't no, necessarily smell it. It's not bad unless you're like right next to someone. somebody. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's making me feel like maybe the COVID won't get open sourced. Yeah. That, you know, here's open. Yeah. Here's hoping, yeah, here's hoping to know open. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So we're anyway, Vegas and, you did a talk. I mean, what did you talk about, actually? Well, I uh, talked about uh, Spring Security 6 and uh, how to migrate to it and kind of the new features in Spring Security 6. And um, mostly we just really wanted to kind of convey that uh, the migration path is not an all or nothing thing. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of times you have these, uh, you know, these all or nothing things and it just makes it impossible to upgrade. Right. And so our goal really is to kind of show you that uh, you can take steps to prepare for it first. And then after, after you've prepared for it and done most, most of the changes, then you can flip the switch. And uh, that flip the switch moment is the all or nothing thing. And then, uh, and then basically uh, you can remove some of the stuff that you had before. So an example would be like um, our cross-site request forgery protection right. is by default enabling breach protection now. And so, we got some, we got we got some oh what am i okay people can't see this but i like an idiot was just tapping my laptop screen <laughs> uh because i'm an idiot let me try this again so anyway you got some breach protection yeah we, so, got, we got hello from nigeria that's that is awesome yeah hello hello it's Tuesday thanks morning. for joining us yeah thanks very for joining us very early it's yeah uh I love it when people let us know where they're coming in from. I can't multitask. If Josh is doing something on the screens, I'm just staring. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. So, sorry. Breach uh, protection. So, yeah, we got breach protection enabled by default in Spring Security 6. But What is that? Um, so, basically, breach is a type of side channel like attack. Like a whale? Oh, uh, no, different. So, a side channel attack. And um, you're familiar with side channel attacks? Yeah. yeah. Well, for our audience, you know, a side channel attack is an attack that isn't necessarily in the um, protocol or in the algorithm itself, it's in the implementation. So uh, an example that I like to give is there's different categories of side channel attacks, but one of those is a um, um, is a, uh, a timing-based attack. And you, you've probably seen timing-based attacks, but uh, an example would be like comparison. If you don't compare something in a constant time, can we share our screen at all? We shouldn't. Uh, we shouldn't. It's, it's going to be a podcast as well. Okay. But, okay. But I know what you're saying. Basically, I, you told me you taught yeah. me about this. One. So if you if you compare two strings and you 
And you compare this uh, quickly um, by terminating at the first character that's invalid, then, right. um, then basically it takes no time at all to compare two strings that have no characters equal. And so, the, and then an attacker might add, you know, say, say the valid password is a a a a a. Right. Attacker would guess a a a a, and that would take quite a while. If they guess z z z z z, it would take no time. If they guess a a a z z, it take a little bit of time. And they can use <clears throat> statistics to get, kind of figure out what the password is. But your is it is the reason there that. Um... They get some passwords require them to do decryption, maybe, and that takes time. Versus they have a short circuit for certain null well, cases, or whatever. Well, um, this is this is a this is a very simple uh, a very simple example. Typically, in uh, passwords, you would hopefully have them encoded, so it wouldn't be actually um, right. It would actually be hashed, right? Uh, versus encrypted. Encrypted means you can undo it, right? But right. A hash is one way, right? Right. Um, so we're giving a very simple example, but more realistically, it might be a message signature. Mm -hmm. So you could. You know, the first set of bytes is equal, then it's going to take a little bit of time. The second set of bytes is not, and then you incrementally increase that. So that's right. one type of side channel attack. Um, this side channel attack uh, breach is uh, an attack on HTTP compression. And um, so that's where you can gzip the contents of the HTTP payload? Correct. Okay. And so if you're operating over TLS, or HTTPS, right. um, if you're operating over HTTPS, but the HTTP compression is enabled, then attackers, if there is reflected input in the response, and you might say, what is reflected input? Thanks for asking, Josh. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> reflected input is basically like if you Sorry. type it, if a user is typing a, in a uh, request, say like searching on a search engine, they might say, uh, spring is awesome. And yeah. then uh, in the response, it would probably say, you search for spring is awesome and got a million bajillion results or whatever, right? Yeah, right. Um, and so that means it's reflected. If they can do that, then uh, they can actually recover sensitive information in the response potentially because HTTP compression is on and because they have reflected input. And it's kind of terrifying, right? Uh, I uh, Rewind. What, uh, try that again. So if you have HTTP compression enabled, Right, which compresses the contents of yeah. the payload. And you're using HTTPS, which you hope is secure, right? Yeah. And there's reflected input in the response, which yeah. we just covered what that was. Right. Then a, uh, a, a malicious user can potentially recover sensitive information like a cross-site request forgery token from the response. How? Well, it's a side-channel attack on gzip. Oh, yeah, so the, the details of that are probably too nuanced. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but basically it's 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 leaking information because of the compression okay. algorithm. Right. And so, um, you know, we just added this default, and a lot of people are asking, you know, well, why didn't we do this sooner? This is a kind of an old attack. And the, the answer is really that um, it's not just CSERF tokens that are impacted by this. It's yeah. any sensitive information, so like bank account information, um, you know, your social security, whatever is returned in the response right. is, so you need to, you need to address the entire response, not, not just the CSERF token. And so to do that, you either need to disable gzip mm -hmm. uh, or the, basically the HTTP compression, or you need to um, do use a plugin called heal the breach or something similar to that, right. which basically varies the response uh, slightly so that these algorithms can't determine uh, basically the secret information from their response. 
so how does Spring Security protect? Does it randomize so, the data? So, so, that, so that is a good question. We are only at impacting the CSERF token. So a lot of people are like, well, if you're doing the whole response, why bother with the CSERF token? And the answer is really defense in depth. You know, everyone right. knows security likes defense in depth. If one layer of protection fails, then another should take over. So we're enabling it by default now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can opt into it explicitly and make sure everything's still working. Um, you know, maybe you're storing it in session and that session's mapped to a database and the database tables are only so long. Now the tables need to have like a longer column or something like that. And so you're testing it out, make sure it all works. And then once you've explicitly opted in and everything works, you do all these other steps and do the big migration. You can remove the explicit configuration oh. or you can explicitly opt out of it knowing <clears throat> what you're getting into and then leave that in until you can sort through things after you've upgraded to Spring Security uh, 6 and gotten six. all the goodness to so it. So you just want to make sure you can make the jump to 6. Uh, and so you're saying you should definitely consider adding that back in, but for, it might be easier just for the development yeah. of your local machine for one day. Or, 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 production. It, or it could be that you leave it in there until after you've migrated to 6 because there's so much greatness in 6 that the rest of your world is so much more secure. Right. You can address that one issue later, potentially. You know, yeah. there's, you know, there's always the, it's like, okay, well, but that's not, six, it's not, know. it's not ideal, but getting to six is more important than, you know, one little feature. Right. Especially when you're already, you know, hopefully protecting against this for other reasons. Right. In this, in the total yeah. example. Okay. So uh, our migration guide is in the new reference documentation. Have you seen the new reference yeah, documentation? That's another point. That's the Antora stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, and, and that's in spring framework now too. And yeah, I think I saw like the there's quite a few list of them. Yeah. There's quite a yeah. few. So uh, framework has got it. Uh, spring sessions got it. LDAP. Um, we've got it in uh, spring data commons now. Spring data wow. JPA has got it. Um, there's quite a few of the projects that are now doing it and, Really, our goal there is like improving navigation, right? Because um, there's a lot that we can do with the documentation, but we really want to make sure that um, that uh, navigation is easier with version selection and searching and um, uh, you know breadcrumbs. I love the breadcrumbs, honestly. It's such a small thing, but it Huge. it makes it so much easier. And a search engine that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice. Algolia is, uh, and, you know, they they give Algolia? us free search. Or Antonio, Antora. Uh, Antora is the documentation system. Algolia is a search. Oh, okay. Is that Algo- a separate company? Yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a separate company. Okay. So Algolia is a search company. They just index our pages and um, they let us use it, uh, you know, because we're an open source project. That's very generous of them. Very, very generous. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, we, we, we've got some very smart people and I, I reckon we could have figured it out. But it, for, the, for the regular person who doesn't want to spend so much time figuring it out, who would you recommend they call to sort of help with Antora integration? Well, you know, the, I, I would start with the Antora community. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, we had uh, we basically had some challenges uh, doing Antora because we had some very specific needs. And we reached out to uh, Dan Allen. Oh, I love yeah, that Dan Allen. And if you're not if you're not familiar with him, which I'm sure you are. But if if everyone here is not familiar with him, he is a great individual. I don't know how he does everything that he does, but he leads no sleep. ASCII doc and uh, Antora. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how he does it. It's not possible. Yeah, yeah. And he's very responsive on all the forums. But, you know, if you're if you're needing that extra attention and stuff, he also has a company. Yeah. Um, and that company uh, would, you know, like we contracted it out and he helped helped us out. And a lot of the stuff went back to open source, which yep. is oh, just wow. the beauty of everything. He's super open yeah. source minded. Oh, yeah, yeah, he is. And so... 
Yeah, I would I would strongly recommend if you have documentation needs to reach out to to Dan Allen. He's Dan Allen is a I mean people don't know about him, but he I mean they probably do. A lot of people I don't know if people in our community necessarily know about him, but he, a lot of people know about him. Oh yeah. Uh, he before all the ASCII doctor and Antora stuff, he was in a in a past life a thousand years ago quite visible for Jboss Seam. Yes. Right. Yes. Which is interesting technology, right? And uh, he's just uh, he's just great. He's got a I just every time we can work with him, I feel like it's better. Um, okay, so Antora, the new so, documentation, yeah, phenomenal, right? Yeah, the Spring Security is that now GA or is it like the experimental for the Spring Security docs? Oh no, the docs are GA. They're out. So Spring oh. Security docs have uh, used Antora for quite some time. Yeah, but um, you know, it was kind of like a um, test bed. Maybe it was a test bed. Yeah, okay. that's a good way of putting putting it. It kind of helped us find where we were struggling. And then we reached out to Dan Allen. And he he helped sort everything out and tell me what I was doing wrong, and you know, add integrations here and there. And um, now the whole Spring team is kind of jumping on board. Yeah, because we've got a, a smooth path to that. Yeah, 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 it's so cool. It's the benefit of having uh, expertise in the house. Now Again, I have I have a small confession about the whole Antora stuff. Yeah, uh, my confession is I'm starting to learn JavaScript. Oh no. Get yeah, out, out. Yeah, live, yeah. As a security guy, that's kind of like scary, isn't it? Like, is that even allowed? No. Yeah. Who does this to friends? <laughs> friends don't let friends JavaScript. Yeah. Um, okay. So I okay, so it's back to Spring Security, if you'll if you'll permit me. Yeah. Um breach protections on by default. Things are gonna have little deprecated lines through them when they, you upgrade. They are, yeah. What's uh what should people know? Well, you know, that's that's the beautiful thing about this uh, is it can be incremental again, right? It's not an all or nothing thing. So right. you'll see your web security configure adapter. It's deprecated. Which is, used to be the base class you would use yeah. to sort of entry point into most Spring apps for yeah. security. And, and, you know, some people, uh, there's definitely, uh, you know, we're all engineers, so we all have very strong opinions about uh, good or bad on this. But the, the reality is, is the web security configure adapter um, didn't really fit into a Spring Boot world because yeah. it wasn't returning things as beans. It was just like a method that was invoked and did some things, and it it didn't expose enough information to the container to help Spring Boot to do things. And it it honestly led to a lot of like bean cycles, life cycle issues. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah life cycle issues. I remember you created some magic to like do lazy resolving. Of oh yeah, yeah. And... There was it. There was there was definitely some some things that were done that uh, you know back then were necessary but you know the yeah. world has uh evolved quite a bit since then so very true and like it's speaking of evolution what do you think of the lambda dsl so this is this is not a new thing in six but it's it's phenomenal it's, it's deprecated uh it's deprecated the old the and method Food style it, yeah the, the old and method is deprecated in six one so <laughs> so uh we're we're not going to remove it till 7.0, which we don't even have planned yeah. yet. See but in, but the thing is, is like whatever. we're trying to make sure that people are using what we feel is the best the best choice. And, what? you know, why didn't we do lambdas initially? Well, I bet you can guess. Why? It was done in 4.2. Right. Oh, yeah. Before Java 8. Before Java 8, right? Yeah. So so it was uh, it's kind of strange that it's been around that long. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a nice DSL. It's, it worked fine, but uh, I I had a little, uh, I helped a little bit with that actually, you, and I left Teria. Teria. I left Teria. Um, who's the one who implemented it? The uh, context DSL, the Lambda context builder. Oh, um, 
Uh, I think that was, was that not, I believe that was Rhea. Rhea. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. What's her last name? Isn't it? Uh, um, Did I get I'm it wrong? Dra- I'm drawing a, no, a blank on. on it. Okay. Uh, I, I feel, I forgot the first name. Stein. Isn't it Stein? Oh, I'm thinking of somebody else then. Uh, I believe so. Uh, I, I'm embarrassed that I can't remember her it's name. It's gonna be fine. We'll figure it out. She's she's not on the team anymore. Awkward. Yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, she did an amazing job. No, she did. And she that did. was I, I. We talked about this, right? This is a little thing. I was like, hey, one day for Christmas. Yeah. And then. And she made it happen. Yeah. She uh, made it happen. Uh, like all the all these little. The spring team was super responsive to. To feedback and, yes. to, and to input, yes. and I would just really appreciate that. Yeah, that DSL. So that's a DSL. That's so you're saying it's going to be deprecated, and then it'll be gone eventually. And well, the, the old the old DSL right. is deprecated in six one. The the lambda is sticking around. So we're you're going to have plenty of time to migrate to it. But oh. uh, you know that's the other thing that we're doing in um, in the references. We have these steps in the reference that say preparing for Spring right. Security Seven, and what that is is just like, hey, if you don't want to have a big you know, big shebang at the end, you can do this incrementally along the way right. and opt into some of these new defaults that we're planning for 7.0, um, remove the deprecations that are happening early on um, and stuff like that. So so the idea is you have a, let's, let's say you want to create a security web filter chain. You inject the HTTP, you, and now you create, in the old world, you create a WebMVC configure adapter, mm-hmm. and then you would override the method that expected right. a web security filter chain. And like, yep. Okay, now you just define a bean. Yes, and you just define a bean, yep. Uh, of type of, and you can inject HTTP security, which is the builder. Yep, yep, which it was a bean itself already. Right. Yep. And you can inject that and use it to in the same way. As part of that, there's methods, fluid methods like um, uh, authentication. No, yep. not um, requests. or Yeah, authorized request. requests. Request. Yep. Right? And that used to be a, a, a fluid builder. You do parentheses, parentheses, dot, blah, parentheses, parentheses, dot, blah. And then it just cha- you'd have to add different stanzas you join them together by saying and yep it was like a closing xml tag yeah yeah. because like if you think about it the http was kind of like the http root Mm -hmm. element of the security and then form login and then under form login was all the attributes of form login and the and was like closing that at closing that xml element and then allowing you to configure something other than form login right so and there's actually a blog post about it that like kind of shows the comparison and it was supposed to make it easier to transition from the XML to the Java config, um, right. which I think it 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 might have helped some. I think yeah, uh, you know I think uh, everyone kind of found their own uh, niche with how they decided to use it, and no, I think it was one of those things that was uh, you know loved by some and loved uh, hated by others. You know, no, in no. terms of like how they chained it, like how they stylized the configuration. I don't think anybody had any issues with the DSL proper. It's just Literally, my IDE. Yes. It's yes. literally just how do yeah. I format this yeah, thing? Yeah, that so, IDE did not so that does not like. It's the to do only it, time yeah. I've ever had to learn forward slash forward slash add eclipse formatter. Off <laughs> yeah, whatever. formatter. Off yeah, on. that's like. Yeah. And, and if, if that's all, if that's the worst thing I have to say about an API, then it's not a problem at all, right? It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but the new thing is just stylistically, it's just uh, you say authorize requests and then parenthesis. Now builder yeah, dash. Now the IDE arrow. knows exactly how to do it. Right. It's yeah. just nice. Really yeah. well done. So that's a. Uh, so that's being more, it's more in the foreground now in Spring Security yes. 6 Plus. Um, what else? I, I mean, I just feel like it's been, it's a really big release. No, it it it, uh, it has had, uh, so one of the other things that um, uh, that we've done recently is uh, 
is we're pushing the use of the authorization manager. Are you familiar with that API? I just learned about it. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah. Yeah. The new authorization manager API, it's it's been around for a bit, but uh, you know, we're switching over that to a, a defaults in the Spring Security Six. And um, and what this gets us is uh, if you're not familiar with the old way of doing things, you used to have like the uh, access decision manager, and then you had the voters, and then uh, those voters had to get like attributes. Right. And those attributes were basically voted on. And then if you wanted to do anything extra, you had to get a new um, uh, metadata source to get different types of attributes and then enrich those attributes so you could do things like uh, expressions and stuff like that. And uh, and it, it became pretty difficult to extend. The best way to extend it at that point was to use spell because you right. could put a bean, uh, you know, you could put beans references in the spell. Right. And then it was totally decoupled from your, uh, from spring, which I love that aspect. Yeah. But now, you know, if you're doing your authorization for HTTP, you can just inline a Lambda and, uh, and, and basically return Done with it. A yes or no, basically. Oh, that's super cool. So that, uh, it, when I think about spring security, I think of the authentication manager on the yes. one side yep. and then there's authorization and that whole, Morass the of objects whole, the hierarchy, yeah. on the right, and there's, yeah. and they are sort of part and parcel of the same. You you need to address both in a typical application. Yes, yes. but they're not the same thing. Correct. Right? One is uh, who is this person, and the other one is now that I know who that person is, what can they do? I could not have described that any better. I think I must have stolen it from you. Uh, yeah, uh, so, I think you must. <laughs> and uh, so like, uh, and uh, and so that on the on the left side, the authentication question. You've got your. At this point, most people don't even deal with that. They just set up a like a user details manager or yeah or something like that, and that gets plugged into the right object. And Bob's your uncle. I'm. I know who people are. Right. Yeah. Um. Or I don't even. You know. Or uh. On the other side, there's that whole thing, and it really. Unless I'm using some light touch annotations for has role or whatever, I don't like to think about that stuff. It really yeah. confuses me. So you're saying you've simplified that tree. Yes. You can, so instead of that hierarchy, you can just use this new thing that isn't tied to that hierarchy yeah, at all, right? Correct. Okay. And the other thing that's kind of interesting, uh, what's come of this is, you know, it used to be like if you had like new ways of, um, uh, it used to be if you had like a new metadata source, you had to like re-implement all the layers. And now oh, the authorization manager, if you want to plug in like the uh the authorization manager that checks to see how like what roles you have mm -hmm. that can be reused for any sort of context you want because it only cares about the authentication object it doesn't care what you're what you're actually authorizing so it just uh, basically that implementation is like it's a generic object of who cares what's being passed into me because my context is only the authentication. So, so you could reuse it on messaging, for example. Yes. I, and you could reuse it on WebSockets or you could use it on, but it's the exact same thing yeah. versus you, it used to be like multiple layers that you had to like re-extrapolate everything. So that's okay. So that is, so the, after the authentication is done, I get, there's an authentication object floating around. Yeah. That gets passed into this next higher interface. Yep. And then that's where you make the decision about what can they do. Yep. Simple. And you might you might use what is passed in in addition to the authentication. Like, for example, maybe there's like a... Request uh, context or something. Yeah, maybe there's like a, a URL or something in there. Mm. So you might use that. So one of the interesting things we did in this um, uh, talk uh, that I gave 
yeah. is uh, we actually implemented um, authorization using Open Policy Agent. Have Whoa, you heard of that? Open? I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's basically it allows you to define these policies um, using uh, Regal, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, it's just basically DSL, and um, you say what the policy is. And is it YAML? No, it's not YAML. Okay, it's I'm not YAML. Uh, <laughs> it's not much better. <laughs> it's not much worse. I don't know. Um, but basically, it allows you to define these policies, and the policies um, uh, allow you to have like authorization rules. And these authorization rules um, uh, can be interacted with via an, a REST API. Nice. And so what we did was we basically set up the document, we tested it via the command line using the REST API, and then you know I bet you can't guess what we used to interact with it uh, from Spring. How, how did we make the REST calls? Something wonderfully new. Oh, the, the REST client. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. So, well, we, we actually even took it a little further and we used the factory to proxy our objects. So we use REST client and then we proxied it. And oh, created, the HTTP service proxy yeah, factory? Yeah. Okay, that's nice. Okay. Yeah, so then we proxied that. And then, and then once we validated that API, we created an authorization manager that just took the request attributes and the user attributes, handed that into the, the client that we created, and that sends it over to the... Um, the agent and the agent makes the authorization decision. Wow! So but, you're doing authentication in the app by calling an interface that you authorization, generate, which then does a call into the open policy stuff. Yeah, that's super cool. And it, the thing that I think is super uh, beautiful about it is the amount of code that was was for Spring Security specific. The glue. The glue was an interface know, and some uh, was lambdas. five five lines of code, right? <laughs> Um, but the I mean, the, the, the REST API was oh, a little bit more, but sure. you can't, you know, that that was basically a function of like how we chose to implement it. It was totally yeah. decoupled from Spring Security itself, right? right, right? right. You so you can't, you, can't, you can't say, you yeah. know, however much it takes to interact. You were building with, an open policy yeah. client. That's yeah, which is totally separate. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's super cool. And even that wasn't a lot of code. Oh, no, it wasn't it's because it was just, a, yeah, you use a proxy, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so, cool. so it was all generated. Oh, that's like, see, this is what I love about, so... Spring Security, again, uh, you are, what, third? No, there's Ben Alex, there's uh, Luke, there was a... Uh, and then me. And you, yeah, you're yeah. third. Yeah, yeah, okay. Third lead of Spring Security. It is, uh, you know, for the longest time, Spring Security was the second most widely used Spring project. Yeah. Right, because Spring Framework, well, Spring Security brings, brings in, in Spring, Spring Framework. Framework. Yeah, yeah, there's no getting out of that. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. therefore, it's going to always be, there's always going to be at least as many users of Spring Framework as there are Spring Security. And then even more, other frameworks that aren't Spring sometimes use Spring Security, right? They're, yeah. It's, you can use it in just a regular server app, for example. Yeah. Um, and it's still very common. We still oh, see yeah. it a lot. Yeah. Super useful. So like I, so Spring Security, and it's it's one of those things that's been battle-hardened and everybody under the sun yeah. has an integration or they they there's some integration for them yeah. uh, in the Spring Security ecosystem. Uh, and so, I, you know, you've uh, you've done a masterful job of, taking this huge sprawling <laughs> code base uh, and ecosystem and slowly moving it to these better practices, you know, and I, I just love it. I'm mindful of it. I, I'm starting to be able to understand cognitively what's going on because it's gotten, you know, bit by bit, chip, chip by chip. Yeah. It's just gotten better and better and better over the years. And it's just really, this new one is, you know, this might be the, the one where I finally can keep it all in my head. Cause that, that whole authorization bit, that was a graph I, it was it was not uh, it was not fun no. to keep track of. I uh, I didn't love it, but um, and then of course we'll t and so we'll talk. There's a question here, but I don't want to 
we'll, we'll get back to these questions in a second. We see your questions. Don't worry. We'll get there. Part of those, that ecosystem uh, is your, of course, when you talk about spring security, even the spring security projects maintained by the spring team proper, there's still more than two or three that you have to care about, right? There's yeah. the authorization server about yep. which I've spoken on the show, and we'll talk about it a bit more here in, in a yeah. second. There's the LDAP stuff, yep. right? Um, there's the OAuth stuff, which is now merged into yep. Spring Security yep. since 5.0, but that used to be a separate yep. thing. Am I missing anything else? SAML used to be a separate project. SAML's now into Security. And so that was, that was, a, that was a one that we fairly recently updated because it was the the old community project was was good for what it did, but it hadn't been updated in a while and it relied on uh, old SAML APIs that were no longer maintained. Right. So we gave it some love recently and it, it has boot integration now. What? And I know, well, I know That's a lot so of cool. people, I know a lot of people like, ah, SAML, it's so old. But the thing is, is oh, no. it's in security, it's like tried and true, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of stuff that um, SAML, uh, SAML can do can't be done you know, be a pro like a standardized protocol in other implementations of uh, you know single sign-on and stuff. So yeah. there's a there's a lot that's that's there, and a lot of companies still need it for integration with either old APIs or doing functionality that isn't really standardized otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, there's a reason it's still there. It, oh yeah, it works. Yeah. Um, the samples I didn't know. So there's a lot of stuff that's now available via Spring Boot, which I think is fantastic. Um, all the starters yeah. are now Spring Security. There, there's integration for Spring Security and OAuth, and the, as, yeah. a, as a resource client, a resource server, uh, sorry, a resource server, uh, an, an authorization server, and a client. Yes, right? yes. And so there's individual checkboxes on start that you yep. do. And you can use those to, you know, either the client to either make requests or also to identify yourself. And it's not necessarily using OpenID Connect. Mm -hmm. We support it. But there's a lot of places out there. We won't mention any names, but they aren't necessarily spec compliant. Yeah. And so there's easy ways to integrate with those as well. Um, just kind of pretending like they're OpenID Connect compliant right. and uh, and adding little adaptations here and there. Ah, that's so cool. So yeah. Spring Security, the old stuff is now in, it's been in there for five, six years now, right? And yeah. Well, this is the thing I think people are maybe don't know. There used to be this thing called Spring Security OAuth. It was a separate project. Yep. 2011, I think we brought it into the portfolio. Uh, it's still a separate project, but it was, yes. it it was, was a community project. Yeah, yeah. It became part of the, uh, you know, Spring um, GitHub, GitHub, uh, GitHub handle, I That's guess. Right. Uh, this might be the yeah. best way to put it. And then uh, from there, uh, you know, it, it I think, it grew. It was an auth. It was an auth authentication. It was an authorization server, and there was a client and resource server support. But it was all in this separate project that wasn't maintained. Yeah, alongside but, Spring Security. And there was also Spring Social. Um, so which, Spring Social, which did OAuth, right? Um, which was really good. You know, it, yeah. like it made interacting with the social stuff, yeah, uh, very easy. And then there was um, nice there was also was. like a lot of the integration was actually built into Boot yeah, for yeah. OAuth. So it's kind of uh, it kind of made it uh, challenging for people to figure out exactly where to go to do what. Right. And that that was uh, something that. Well, then you know, do you remember there's also Spring Cloud support for OAuth? Yeah. Oh yes, it's, yes, there was. Yeah. So there's like four different stories that you had to know about. Yeah. That's all. The I was just we just had Craig on the show. Today, oh. And oh. we were talking about Spring Social actually. Okay. Uh, Craig, I love that guy. I love that guy. Yeah. One of the oh, yeah. yeah. And the, so Spring Social was great, but he he's he even said today like. The the people people love the um 
APIs, the the bindings. Right. But the at some point, the, it became very clear you could just stub, stub out to Spring Security for the OAuth yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so so Spring Security, OAuth, that all, all that Spring Security OAuth uh, project, I guess at some point we said, hey, this is no longer the uh, path we're pursuing, but it was still there for a minute. Spring Security 5 comes out in the in the very first version with uh, OIDC client yeah. support. So you can set up Spring Security so that when a, re a user, user goes to a URL that isn't protected, it'll redirect to the authorization server, allow you to uh, authenticate and then redirect back with a yep. token. That's great. Next is, I just want to reject a request that doesn't have a valid token, but I'm not going to do anything about redirecting. There's no redirect. Right. It's just a resource server. Yeah. That's the next thing. That's like an API, right? Uh, and then, and that was added, I think, after the yes, client support. Yes, yeah. And then after that, we said we're not going to do an authentic. We're not going to create that third tranche. The authorization third. server, yeah. Yeah, and then people were like, "No, you are." <laughs> we would really like that. <laughs> yeah, we. That, yeah. And and how? What did that story look? I mean, so you know, um, that story is uh, you know like many things uh, quite long, but the summary is that. Um, you know, uh, the Spring team has limited resources, unfortunately. We do. And um, and so uh, initially we didn't prioritize it because it is a huge endeavor. Huge. A very huge endeavor. And so um, after we got tons of feedback, we kind of shifted resourcing around again, uh, around and we're make you know, obviously we're making it work. It's uh, 1.0 GA. Joe Grange is doing a great job. Joe uh, Grange. Yeah, yeah. Steve Reisenberg. Yeah, Steve. Josh. Yep. yep. Uh, Cummings. Yep. Um, all, so, yeah. And we've had... All of these folks yeah. on the show, you're this is new for you, but not for them. <laughs> like, uh, we, and we had a, one of my favorite videos ever was with Steve Reisenberg just a few months ago in May. We set up the Spring Authorization Server, which is also now on Spring Boot. Start yeah. Spring .io. so you can go yeah. to Start Spring That's great. Just, just auto configure way into a full working authorization server. That's blows that's my mind. Really awesome. Yeah, it is phenomenal what they've all done there. So, uh, so the question we just got here is should we set up our own authentication uh, and authorization using Spring Security or uh, using an external service using Auth0 or something like that? And the answer is yes. Like, Yeah, so I think I think the thing is, is your, your authentication um, is really typically going to be a business requirement, but Spring Security can handle any of your requirements around authentication and authorization. But deciding like, what that is, it's it's really around the business. One of the things that I really recommend, though, is ensuring that um, when you're creating um, your domain models, to have your own user representation. That's something that that I always talk about because you don't want to tie it directly to the Spring Security APIs. Right. Because authentication evolves, right? Um, you might one day want to use Open ID Connect. Another day, you, you you might decide, well, we actually need to also have username and passwords. And then you might also later realize that SAML is a thing for you. And then there might be a new protocol at some point that you need to support. Um, so it's really important to, A, not tie your um, your users to any particular type of authentication. Right. And B, not tie your users to uh, Spring Security at all. And you can use like the authentication principle annotation and use it as a meta annotation so that when you're resolving your identity, you have no ties to Spring Security throughout a majority of your code base. It's very right. centralized. And that's good, not because I want you to get rid of Spring Security, but if you wanted to, you could very easily. And what's more is, um, like, as Spring Security evolves um, and your requirements evolve, 
you have a very centralized place to do that. And you're separating kind of those business concerns versus right. uh, putting all the identity stuff into like everywhere with throughout your application. Okay. Um, I like that. But the, I, I, so I guess the question here is basically, should we use the Spring Security Authorization Server or some, an external service like Auth0? Oh, oh, ah, set up our own authorization server. Ah, okay. Okay. I think well, that's what they're saying. I'm yeah, not 100% sure. You know, um, I think I think that's a hard question to to answer without knowing tons of details. Also, but without knowing tons of details about what the the question that you just answered was, that was a great answer. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I th I think you know context is very important, but you know, I I think you know, Spring Authorization Server is very good at doing things that reach beyond the abilities of things like Auth0 and Okta when you need those special customizations. Um, because it's a bunch because, of auto configs that you can override. And use yeah, it's it's basically it's it's basically going to give you exactly what you want in the end if you have the resources to do it. Yeah. Right. But you know everything is about you know trade offs. If you're getting exactly what you want, you are going to have to invest those resources because it's it is very easy, relatively speaking. But managing your own APIs versus buying something, there are trade offs there. Yeah. And um, and I think that's true of any type of software you build buyer build yeah common buyer question. build yeah it is a common question I... but if if you're if you're needing things that those services can't do it it's an obvious answer to me at yeah. that point use it yeah, yeah. use it your guest. And, and from the client perspective spring security will still act as a great client to any other auth service it exactly have to be spring security yep. authorization yep um the uh the Authorization, you just mentioned the customization. This is one of those things that Steve Reisenberg made so very apparent, both in that video and in other discussions I've had since, and 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 uh, that has since resulted in or manifested in changes to my to my implementation, which by the by is open source because I'm <laughs> I'm trying to like, you know, make it transparent what I'm doing. Um it's super customizable. Oh every yeah. little bit about it is customized. So at well, some point built using Spring Security. So it's just right. as customizable as Spring and Spring Security. And Spring Boot. It, yeah. It, it, and Spring it's, Boot. Yeah. It's idiomatic Spring yeah. Boot. So yeah. like I wanted to uh pull in uh I wanted to I wanted to store everything in GDBC. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't want like ephemeral session state because that meant that I had inconsistent cookies and things like that right. uh, across restarts and so on. So yeah, he, you know, we used Spring Session and JDBC. Yeah, we used uh, the persistence for Spring Authorization Server for its client registrations and something like that. I, yep. I forget what exactly, but all that stuff meant that it was all being persisted in my nice Postgres database, which is great because Postgres yeah. is dynamite, right? Yeah, I'm a fan. So, um, and that was the fact that I could just do that by overriding some bean definitions, some well-known bean right. types. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. So good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but like you said, you're now you're in the business of maintaining your own IDP. Yes. If that's what you want to do, yeah, at least you can. Yeah, you can. And if you don't want to do it, then again, go. Pay it'll some money. still work. Yeah, it'll still work yeah. with uh, the rest of the stack. And, it's, and and we have great rapport with both Auth0 and Octa. I mean, they're the same oh, yeah. now, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and actually, Azure too. If we're using yeah Active Directory and yeah, uh, all that kind of stuff. All of it works great. So, on the topic of JDBC, you are also the lead and founder of the Spring Session project. Yes, which is I was the lead, right? Marcus is now. Oh, you, really? oh so yeah, cool. yeah. No, it's okay. Mark, Marcus took. Yeah, Rayho. Marcus. Yeah, Rayho. yeah, yeah. Uh, Marcus hurt the. Yeah. Correggio. I'm very bad at pronouncing things. I forgot that. I, I'm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. 
yeah. amazing person. I think he's been on the show. I'm not sure. And if he's not, I have to. That's a mistake. He's around. Have you seen? Yeah, he, I just I, I gave him a hug today. Oh, okay, I'm a okay. fan. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anyway, so my uh, that, that so that project is uh the idea. It's not. There's no Webflex version, is there? Um, there is a reactive version, and mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting because it's a. Uh, you know, the the reactive version actually plugs directly into it an existing Spring API. Right. The 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 servlet version uses filters and overriding the HTTP session on the like HTTP servlet. Yeah. It uses yeah, the wrappers basically yeah. to make that happen. Whereas with Spring Webflux, there's actually a proper API that was implemented by the Spring team since we kind of manage those APIs. Yeah. I worked with Rawson on making sure that that API kind of worked. Yeah, the hook was there and out of the box, Spring Framework kind of provides the in-memory one, and Spring Session extends that so that you can get, you know, the um, managed production, the yeah. production style uh, sessions that you would expect. So, cool. so Spring Session uh, is—it's so obvious when you think about it. Which is like, I want to—I want to replicate my session state. Well, Tomcat has something to do that. Yeah. But like, they're busy building a web server. Right. They're not in the business of how to—they you know, don't have RAF protocol implementation, all that. Like, but you know who does? You know, Redis and your database—they all—they all have a much better idea of yeah. how to store state consistently. Yep. Right. Let them do it. Yeah. Just delegate to an external provider of well, replication and, and state. It, it's kind of the same thing that brought around Spring Security as well. If you think about it, you know the containers—they started off with container managed security, and you ran into um, you know a lot of stuff that was not defined by the spec, and so you ended up with learning everything multiple times. Uh, yeah. each, each vendor you went to and very different um, and where it got loaded was also very problematic in my opinion, because a lot of times it'd be in these like parent class loaders because it needed to be around for multiple web apps. And so it caused actually yeah, lots of memory leaks, static variables, static, static variables. Class, yeah. Class loaders, yeah. yeah. Especially when you did uh, SAML coming back to SAML, SAML would use like a static lookup for the JVM, which XML provider needed to be used. Well, that would get loaded, and depending on your parent, uh, your class loader hierarchy, it could get loaded from the war, it could get loaded from the parent class loader, and then all of a sudden, when the war or the uh, parent class loader or you know a sibling war tried to load things, it might get no class def found errors because it's getting the wrong XML parser that it, that's loaded by the wrong class loader, and oh, so I so it, miss this it, case. It, it it was you know people well, well what's going on and it was a very common problem in my opinion so going back to that spring security was kind of created to like you know make make it easy to do the same thing in all the servlet containers without you know without um having to configure specific stuff or having these you know these uh, shared class loaders and parent class loaders loading stuff spring session is kind of the same thing right yeah you plug it in and it works the same on Tomcat as it does on Jetty, as it does, et cetera. Oh, so, right. So it makes it very easy to, to turn on and off as well. Um, and yeah, it, it, and you can use, of course, Spring Data. Yeah. Another project we love. Which is to, great at this to, kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to talk to a database? Guess what? Spring Data is great. Want yeah. to persist in a database? Spring, spring Session plus Spring Data is great. You know? Yeah. And it seems like it's such a natural uh, thing, which is because, it, because like you just said, it used to be a premier feature, a very expensive feature of yeah. like the heavy application yeah. servers. Like WebLogic had its own replication promises yeah. or whatever. Oh yeah. But uh, like some would say, oh well, I can do active active, or I can do yeah. you know active passive or whatever. And it's just like, well, I don't want to pay more to get that 
I just want it to be visible across all my instances. Can you please make that happen? Right. Yeah. Redis can do that. Why can't you? You know, there was a time uh, in uh, a past life of mine where uh, we were using um, EJBs to copy the state over to uh, to other application servers. Oh, that was your your your, <laughs> uh, your mule from one node to another. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. So I use EJBs, and uh, um, it was very interesting because uh, like you know trying variable. to trying to test trying to test this. Uh, you know, locally when uh, anything went wrong was, uh, you know, not pleasant. it was not pleasant. Um, <laughs> and, you know, the people that uh, implemented, you know, it was one of those mega corp sort of things where mm. the people that implemented it were just like, not my problem when there was a problem. And you're yeah. like, but I, it literally <laughs> everyone shrugged their hand. I'm like, ah. <laughs> look at the time. I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good luck. See you next Monday. Yeah. Um, so a little, little specific, maybe you want to take a, a swing at it. Is there a demo, asks our friend here, uh, for managing concurrent sessions when using Spring Session JDBC? I don't understand the question. I'm assuming you might. Uh, yes. Um, so I am presuming that they are talking about um, making it so that if Josh Log is already logged in to an application and someone tries to log in again as Josh Long, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. uh, you can't log in twice. That seems reasonable. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you might be paying per user. And if people are reusing your password, then, you yes. know, like they're basically circumventing, Session you know, it's a shared password sort of problem. And so um, there's an API in Spring Security that does concurrent sessions. And um, uh, there's actually some documentation on the Spring Session reference that shows how to, how to integrate those two. It's not specific to Spring JDBC, but Spring Session has integrations that uh, with Spring Security um, as an optional dependency that allow uh, looking up the user by username in the session. So that, that basically allows you to know how many sessions does this user have? Oh, right. Okay. So okay. yeah, it actually kind of ties the two APIs together. That's nice. But uh, looking in the Spring Session documentation is where, where you'll want to go. And there might actually be a demo in the Spring Session samples. I can't remember for sure. Um, and it may be Redis-based but it's using the same interfaces. So right. you should be able to swap out the implementations. Um, some of our uh, implementations don't support looking up the user by username because it depends on the data store, right. uh, what it supports. But um, uh, JDBC uh, is sure. one that allows looking up the user by username. So that's a good point. I know, does TurnQuest, does Greg TurnQuest still do the MongoDB one? He does. And yeah, so he does. that's the Spring Session MongoDB, there's Spring Session JDBC. Yep. What are them? There's, well, there, there's Redis, and then uh, there's a Hazelcast one. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And too. and then you know this might sound kind of crazy, but there's a map-based one. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. just in memory. Yeah. But maps can be distributed too, <clears throat> right? With so the there's there's distributed map Hazelcast. implementations. Yeah. Oh, okay. So there's distributed map implementations, and you can use that to persist your session as well. I like it. I dig it. Yeah. Okay, that's that's that makes a lot of sense actually. Yeah. Um. By the way, I heard not for nothing. Maybe this is apocryphal. But the you know coherence, Oracle coherence. Oh yeah. My understanding of it was like a the original use case was a like a compiler in language. Oh. Not distributed systems. Interesting. Right. And uh I guess they built like a distributed map or something like that as a demo. Really? For this toolkit that was supposed to be okay. like language and runtime whatever and Huh. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's interesting. Like, yeah, I, I, I could I be did, getting the details wrong. Okay. I, it's an apparent like a yeah. Anyway, like a uh, very very interesting yeah. distributed maps. They're a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. Good. 
Um, okay, so spring session plays well with spring security, as you just described. It yep. gives you extra superpowers, actually. Now, yeah, it does. Because I have the ability to ask questions about it's meta questions, like how many sessions do I have for the user, right. not just what user do I have. Right. Um, and then, uh, and then spring security. Does spring session play well with? I mean, it does well with uh, the HTTP stuff for Spring Security, but Spring Security is not limited only to HTTP. Like you and I were just using it with Spring Integration earlier. It works nicely there. Yeah. Uh, it works well with method, like in GraphQL. Yeah. I'm not going to do, there's not a specific DSL. It's just using method level yeah. uh, security, which which is fine because I have, I have yeah. handers there. Yeah. Um, what are the other places you might uh, weave or use or tie? WebSockets, for example. Web, okay. Web Great question. What does that look like? Well, um, stomp and the old. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's kind of interesting because uh, WebSocket is really just kind of a bootstrap uh, thing because the WebSocket connection remains persisted yeah. uh, until it disconnects. So there's actually like, it's not like, hey, here's a request. Right. Oh, I'm making another request. I'm making another request. Right. It's, it's it makes a connection. So once the connection is made, the yeah. state is kind of maintained with, 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 the, with the socket connection. Yeah. But so is it, but, and that's typically bootstrap via the HTTP session, right? But but uh, okay, you're saying that the authentication is done on the establishment of the HTTP request that then bootstraps the uh, WebSocket. Yes. yes, sir. Okay, so yeah. there's nothing specific to WebSockets themselves. You can't because there's no headers in WebSockets, so it's very hard to. Yeah, I mean there there is if you're using Stomp, Stomp. which is basically kind of you know yeah. Spring Security doesn't really work without a protocol. Yeah, um, with uh, for WebSockets, I mean, it can work. There's just no out of the box support for it because yeah. it needs it needs some sort of contract to decide what to do. So right. Stomp is that contract, and that's the contract that really Spring uh, Spring expects, unless you want to kind of do all the heavy lifting yourself. Right. Which you can, you know, if it, if you're requiring that. Which brings us back to what we we're talking about, like an hour ago, or a week ago, or five thousand years ago, which was uh, that now it's easier than ever to just sort of lightly pull these disparate pieces together if the if the congealed hole isn't doing what you want yeah it's so all these pieces have been sort of un yeah un, you can unentangled yeah they don't have to be tangled together yeah you can, yeah so good i love yeah. spring security right now it's i mean i've always appreciated it because it solved a problem that nothing else did but now i feel like i feel like a, i have lego bricks not just, <laughs> not just walls you know yeah um this is great so okay <sighs> spring security six what what's the and and all this other stuff? What's the what's the future? What is the what's the future what you, of Spring Security or, look like? Or whatever. What are you you know? What's the next big thing on which you're well focusing and that you can tell us without revealing state secrets? State secrets. Well, yeah. can't or really it. tell you much of anything. Okay. No, but I I can tell you this. Try to uh, put task. There's uh, there's been this long standing issue uh, mm -hmm. for Web Authn, and uh, I've been tinkering around with that a lot lately. What's Web Authn for those who don't understand? Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. WebAuthn is uh, is a way to um, do. Uh, you don't summer, know. I knew it. <laughs> Get him so, out of here. Well, summarizing it, summarizing it is a little tricky because it used to be kind of a way of doing multi-factor authentication. Oh. But it also, but it also is a way now, uh, and that multi-factor authentication uh, is intended to be, you know, um, very difficult to uh, fish. So, like, um, it uses. Uh, uh, public keys, yeah. and uh, those public keys are uh, used to sign things that include the domain. So, like if if the wrong domain is like trying to fish you, 
um, then it gets an invalid token basically. Right. Um, so, so there's that. But you know, lately it's been extended to do things that are supporting like passwordless. You know, like that's the new thing. Like uh, everyone hates cool. everyone hates passwords. So there's there's support for passwordless also, which is potentially your primary means of authentication. So it's not necessarily multi-factor authentication. It's and that's unifactor. probably what we'll that's probably what we'll start with. Honestly, um, is uh, just doing like replacement because the multi-factor authentication also impacts authorization. Right. Like how do how do we um, queue Spring Security to do another layer of authentication versus saying that you're not authorized or start from uh, scratch? Yeah, starting yeah, starting starting over. Okay. And so um, we do have you know like there is like a little playground that I've been doing that does the multi-factor authentication yeah. thing, but uh, it's it's most likely going to start off as just doing like kind of the. Um, replacement for passwords uh, style of authentication. That's super cool. Is WebAuthn the only thing people use for that kind of stuff, or are there other? Well, I mean, there, there there's definitely other types of multi-factor authentication. I mean, uh, I'm sure everyone's used the. Um, I remember Octo. The one-time oh, one-time tokens. Oh yeah. Uh, so you know you're Authy or you yeah. know you're um, and you know they're t synced with a, a certain time frame and stuff yeah. like that. So um, people use email a lot of times. Yeah. So, is so there... email email is still a thing. Like, the, there's a site that I use that um, they don't actually have passwords. They just send me a send me a, a, a login link to my email. Yeah. And you like every time you say click it and you log in. Um, Which I like. That's actually yeah, really no, it, it, it's it's actually pretty nice. I don't know? like having to remember passwords. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so then there's you know text messaging is another another way and you know depending on your threat factor that's a a good idea or a bad idea, but most people, you know, you're, you're probably fine getting right. text messages, your multi-factor. And nowadays you've also got, oh, you said, you mentioned the passwordless stuff, but yeah. like biometrics, right? Like, oh yeah, biometrics. Like, and sometimes the biometrics are actually tied to like things like YubiKeys, right. for example. Yeah. Or uh, what's the, what's that whole thing that Apple's been talking about? The um... Oh, um, you're talking about the Passkey? Passkey. Yeah, Passkey. Is that that? Pa Passkey, uh, Passkey is a uh, Apple branded WebAuthn. Okay, there you go. So yeah. if you get if we get WebAuthn, does that allow us to talk to that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends on exactly what we end up doing with that, but yeah, if we get uh... it I mean, WebAuthn is that's what I was saying is a little difficult to answer exactly what WebAuthn is because it's kind of expanded in scope. Yeah. WebAuthn actually was um, uh, originally started as a totally separate protocol. Which I'm drawing a blank on what that name is, okay. and it's been largely passive to that old protocol, um, and uh, but it's been extended, and extended, and modified and stuff. Um, so, uh, yeah. So if you build this, you're working on it. You're saying it's already there, but you're ex extending, expanding it, or well, uh, I I don't feel like it's production ready yet. Okay. It's basically what it amounts to. A lot of times when I like to do a new idea, yeah. I start with a sample, and you know, with Spring Security as extensible as it is. I don't actually even touch the Spring Security code base. I'll create a sample that brings in the Spring Security right. existing APIs, and then I'll write extensions to Spring Security that do what I want it to do. Plug it into the well-known. Yeah, plug APIs. it in. Yeah, plug it in. Uh, plug it in. So it starts off looking like, how would I do WebAuthn if Spring Security didn't do it? And right. that, like, that's what it does. And then as it evolves, then I uh, basically refactor my packages and stuff like that to say, well, this is where it's going to belong in Spring Security. It also allows me to iterate a lot faster because yeah. it's a lot smaller app. And yeah. anyone that wants to review it, you might say. Yeah, yeah, anyone that wants to review it 
can actually see in isolation what the new changes are versus like reviewing the entire Spring Security code base. No, no, no. no I'm, so I'm with you. I'm... It's much easier to do. And then once all that's fine, then I can copy those classes into the appropriate modules within Spring Security. Right. Yeah. And then send a proper pull request. It's like a sprint, right? Something like that. Yeah. I, I do oh, that yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like a scratch pad kind of yeah. example. Totally. Um, okay. That's super cool. So if you build that, if you get that to the point where you're happy with it and it's, uh, and to whatever extent it impacts the, it sounds like you've been able to do it without changing or, or, or being, or having to exert any changes on the core Spring Security APIs. But if you did, uh, arrive at a design that requires some new interface in core, would that then conceivably allow others to then pull, like if I wanted to like build multi-factor for some other use case, wouldn't the, it feels like getting it right once would give you basically so, the right hooks for everything so else. So yeah, I, I mean, that's that's another reason why to do this, do it this way, uh, externalized is because it allows me to view it uh, in a sample, which is kind of how our <clears> consumers <throat> are going to view this. Like, is it very usable? Right. Right. And so, once once that's all sorted out, it will get copied into the Spring Security APIs. Right. But a lot of times you can see like little chunks, like if there's like this little hook that you're talking about, mm -hmm. that'll probably come as a pull request beforehand, right? Ah, uh, uh, like uh, uh, you know, like um, maybe there needs to be a hook within the authentication manager or whatever. Right. Um, we might add that hook uh, into the authentication manager first. Yeah. Uh, but we've already proved out that it's necessary for the web authent. Okay. So. Even if the web authentic specifics are a little muddled as yet, the, those hooks can be still yeah, those can still be added. Yeah. yeah, those can be added eventually. But the reality is, is you can do just about anything in Spring Security without modifying the code base. I mean, it's very flexible. Oh yeah, and uh, as we actually we, he and I mostly him we we hacked on some <laughs> code earlier today, and it was very it's just really nice to be able to pull these Lego bricks together. It was really 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 yeah pleasant. But on the other hand, and uh, and again, this is why I love that. Uh, Steve Reisenberg, Reisenberg, right. uh, sure. which one's the right one? You know, again, uh, don't ever ask me how to pronounce anything. Anyway, you know, there was the longest time that I pronounced. Um, uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, it was one of. Let's see, it wasn't Kotlin. I got that one right. Scala. Oh, Scala, Scala, I Scala, for the longest time, and. Uh, there used to be a rule on my like old team mm -hmm. prior to being on Spring. If Rob Winch pronounces it this way, <laughs> it is the wrong way to pronounce it. And that's why I'm named Rob, because I mean, frankly, even I can't mess that one up. <laughs> <laughs> After three letters, it goes downhill for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> my last name, I don't even pronounce that. Yeah, you're still not sure how. Winch? Yeah. <laughs> that... Oh, that's hysterical. Wait, so. Um... Uh, lost the question. Uh, Steve. Oh, on the flip side, Spring Security has gotten to the point where it does almost everything you want with just a few properties, light touch yeah. and Spring Boot. It, so it's really good right now. It's a, it's a, uh, this is the happiest I've ever been with it. You can get really opinionated yeah. solutions that require almost no input for common cases. But then if you want to unwind some of those assumptions in the typical... Spring Boot way, yeah, it works just as you'd expect as well. Just override beans and use properties. Yeah, can I can I tell you one of the things that I really like about what we've done yes, uh, over the past few years? Do tell. is it's not just about the properties, and and you kind of touched on this, but I think I feel like this is something that a lot of people don't realize is 
providing beans actually impacts that DSL yeah. that you interact with. Because like for authentication, if you expose a user detail service, it just gets the DSL in. figures that out, yeah. right? And it's like, oh, yeah, I can use that. Yeah. But if you have more than one instance of your security configuration, then you have to, and you want different user details, then you have to explicitly call the wiring on it. But otherwise, it'll it'll just pick that up by default. Right. And there's a lot of beans that that um, boot either creates or you can override that right. the DSL will actually interact with, which I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it's, that. it's great. So it's great. Uh, and that's I've seen, like for example, the ability to create a user detail service as a bean that predated the new stuff yeah. around exposing the web security filter as a bean. For example, yeah. right. But I like it's just gotten better and better. So it's just a really great. Um, so people are. I, I feel like people that have learned the old lifecycle web MVC configure adapter business, they're going to feel a little perturbed at having yeah. to learn the new thing. But the the new thing is actually just the old thing that you're used to doing everywhere else in the Spring Stack. Right. So, and I think I know. think I think the other thing too is like uh, a lot of times I get the thing is like, well, what do I do now? And I'm like, well, you learned at one point what to extend web security configure adapter. Now you're just learning to create this bean. Right, which is right? it's a step so backwards. A, and yeah. You, you can you can forget stuff. That's a great yeah. it's like deleting code for yeah. but you know, creases in the brain. Right. Okay, all of this, super good. I love everything you, you've just said. Um without uh, you know, why are you like this? Why did it why would you why why not just become like a plumber or something with it like you're obviously very good at this, but I, I, I assume there's a, a fork in the road where you're like, I'm going to worry about everyone's security, like <laughs> Superman, or I'm going to just go home on time and, and have some job that does some, <laughs> like you have so many choices. I, I don't know what, how'd you get into security? Like, what's Well, that? the security, the security world, um, I started working in industry at a healthcare company. And they just said, "Hey, security is kind of hard, and no one really wants to do it. Uh, do you want to do, do you do you want to take this on?" And I said, "Well, I like uh, I like computers because they change frequently, and there's a lot to learn, and it keeps me you know keeps me on my toes, right? Right. But uh, you know, and then I'm like, and security seems like it changes quite a bit, and it keeps oh. people on your toes. So I like you combine those two things, and I'm like, hey, that's kind of cool. never sleep again. Let's go. And and you know, the other aspect that's really cool about security in my mind is there's so many things that you can secure. So you have excuses to like learn anything you want. So it's yeah. like, ah, I want to learn about this. Yeah. I'll figure out how to secure it. Yeah. But before you figure out how to secure it, you got to learn about the fundamentals first. Sure. Right. Oh, that's a good point. You've, you've, uh, that's what I get thing. to dabble in just about anything. Well, yeah. Cause the spring team, we all decided to like move forward in the direction. Okay. We're going to do reactive. Now how do you secure it? Yeah. GraphQL, how do you secure it? Our yep. socket. How do you yep. secure it? Right. Yep. Uh, Web sockets for the old stack and yeah. Spring Framework Four got kind of secured. I mean, it's just yeah, and messaging and yeah. you know, everything. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's so fun uh, to be able to have an excuse to dabble in every technology uh, that I'm able to do. Ah, uh, it's amazing. Um, these projects, Spring Security and and all these other ones, are, I think, uh, you need. Would you say you've got a, a background in security, or you just got into it and you've just immersed yourself in it? Uh, is it possible for like a, a pleb to like just how, how do you become how do you become yeah. part of the security community? It, it seems like a very I don't know. Don't you have to have a degree or something to kind of understand some of this stuff? Well, you know, um, I, I don't have a degree in computer security, right? Um, so um, I guess the answer is uh, no. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it, it really just started off with. Um, 
really just doing small things. I don't know if I told you this, but I had like this long-term plan of becoming on the spring team. And, uh, you know, um, and I thought it was kind of ridiculous at the time. I was like, oh, there's no way this is going to happen, but uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to got to try, right? Yeah. And so, uh, I thought of different ways of this happening. And the best answer that I came up with was at the time, you remember the old spring forums? Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 So I told myself I was going to answer one security related question on the forums each day. And the reason why I did spring security was because at my job, I was working on security. And so it made sense to kind of overlap those two. So I just, I started with every day I would watch, answer at least one question on the forums. Good for you. And, and, you know, it took, you know, the reason why I decided that was because, you know, if you send a pull request to someone, which really wasn't a thing back then. Patch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was it was patches, patch. yeah. So, but if you send, if you send, try to contribute code, there's a gatekeeper, right? Like, yeah. They have time, they have to have time, they have to be interested, you know, they prioritize everything. But answering a question on the forums is just like, it's just all up to me, right? right? And so I would just answer questions and I'd do the same thing on Stack Overflow when that was a thing. And, you know, eventually um, I got noticed by the team and they're like, oh. And then when I had a request to add a feature, they remembered who I was. That's, yeah. And when I sent in code to like get merged, they remembered who I was. Of course. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, I became a committer and I just like, this is a dream come true. It doesn't get better than this, you know, and then eventually, uh, you know, it kind of evolved into like becoming the project lead and being employed full time. And so, you know, I, I still think it's like a dream come true to work with people like yourself and, uh, and the rest of the spring team. It's just, it's just amazing. What, what you in the audience can't see is that uh, Madura, Bave, and Phil Webb are off camera. So when he pointed to people like you, who's talking, <laughs> That's, talking to them, that yeah. while while it is true that uh, I do like enjoy, I do enjoy working with them. Uh, I was referring to oh, Josh, okay. <laughs> and they're not actually. <laughs> uh, so we, um, I appreciate that. I'm glad you joined the team. And uh, it's, also, aren't you the longest serving Spring Security Lead at this point? You must. I, be. I surely, I would think so. I would think so. Surely. <laughs> um, okay. Question here. One for you. Uh, what's going on with reactive Webflux security using server HTTP security instead of HTTP security, although 70% to 80% of the API do the same thing, but have different names? Ah, uh, that's a good question. And, um, and, and the re answer is really just um, a lot to do with why you would see a different API for the HTTP servlet request and Webflux, right? It's because you need reactive APIs in order to uh, interact with Spring Security. And so the non, um, the server HTTP security deals with reactive APIs, whereas the HTTP security deals with the servlet-based APIs. Right. You know, you can't add a servlet filter to, you in the HTTP security, you can add a servlet filter, mm -hmm. which is non-reactive, to that directly. But you can't add a servlet filter to the reactive server, stack. the reactive stack because it's blocking, right? right? And uh, you know, also there's no HTTP servlet request and HTTP servlet response in the uh, in the Webflux stack. And so, really, it's just a matter of making sure that it's reactive from top to bottom in the Webflux stack. And it makes no sense to use those, uh, you know, the additional cognitive overhead right. of reactive in the non-reactive stack. And what's more is like you can't plug a web. Uh, a web filter into the servlet stack because you'd be changing, you'd oh, basically yeah. be translating 
the domain models back and forth all the time to inter in order to interact with those. So they're just idiomatic native to each yeah, paradigm. Yeah, that, that's a very good way of summarizing. I like that. Um, it's that time, but this is I've been worrying about this this whole interview, uh, and I, I it's fair if you just want to like decline. <laughs> Most people at this point, I ask as we wind uh, down, um, I ask, are you on the internet and do you want to be found? I know the answer for you is no. Like, yeah, yeah well, you are there. I don't, but, I don't. I don't really need to be found. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so I'm uh, around. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if if you are on the internet and you want to be found. Where can they find you or whatever you care about? You know, uh, well, I think um, the uh, I really like to see people on GitHub issues. And uh, I love, you know, I love to hear uh, feedback on our projects. Um, so, yeah, if you if you have uh, feedback on Spring Security, Spring, um, love to hear, uh, love to hear your feedback on that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's probably the best place to find me. And you can't, you could not ask for a better uh, person to, uh, to respond to your your, your 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 tickets tickets and whatever just trust me you're, you're in good hands with rob here um okay anything else we should uh leave here no i think uh i think that's probably probably it you're a hero thank you for being on the it's show it's been a pleasure josh a pleasure my friend yes. uh, it's, uh, how many years have i been asking you um i can't count that high i've had the podcast since like i, I started <laughs> working on it in 20 what 17 right uh or maybe it's like 18, and then we started publishing in 2019. Yeah. I've done the YouTube uh, Spring Tips yeah. since 2015, I think. And then just all that time, I'm like, let's do You and I did um, live lessons. We did do live lessons. That, that was fun. That oh, were, man. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was fun. Great fun. And those yeah. are, conceptually, they still hold up, right? They're No, they are. I mean, we didn't even Spring do... is quite passive, so yeah. they actually still all function the same right. way. Yeah. Ah, so there's that. Um, but But, of course, you know, just... Read the docs. They're great now. You can even search them. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, my friend. Thank yeah. you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as it really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.